What's up, Gator Country? Man, Andrew Spivey back with Nick. It, Nick, uh, it's time. It's uh, Gators and the Bulls uh, facing off in the swamp. Um, another Saturday night. Uh, hopefully, um, you know, Florida can rebound and uh, get back on the winning ways. Uh, they host South Florida in the uh, third straight night game. I love night games, uh, but uh, not going to lie. I'm ready for a 3.30 kick against Tennessee uh, next week. Oh, believe me, I am looking forward to the 3.30 kickoff as well. Uh, I am uh, tired of staying up till 3 in the morning uh, and writing, uh, but I love it. Wouldn't trade it for the world. So, uh, yeah, but USF coming into Gainesville, uh, you know, another night kick. It should be, you know, close to another sellout here in Gainesville. Um, we'll see how many actually show up, right? Um, but, you know, at least tickets are being sold. You know, we'll see a decent crowd there. And, uh, yeah, uh, Gators got to be ready to play. They need a bounce-back game. Uh, I'm looking for look for Richardson to get into a rhythm in this game, you know. He's got to bounce back. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think they said a couple thousand tickets is all that remains. Right. Um, like you said, we'll, we'll see. Uh, you know, I think that uh, – I think it'll be – you know, I think it'll be close. Um, I think it'll be a – Good environment. Obviously, you're not going to have Kentucky or Utah environment uh, by any means, just simply because of the opponent. Uh, an opponent that uh, Billy Napier is kind of familiar with. Uh, know, he knew Jeff Scott uh, or knows Jeff Scott uh, really well from uh, you know when Jeff was getting recruited and and Billy was at Furman, and then they were both at uh, Clemson together. So uh, they're very familiar with each other and. Um, you know, two coaches that are kind of on different paths. Uh, you know, Napier has Florida, um, I, in my opinion, trending in the right direction. And then Jeff Scott has USF tra- uh, trending in a uh, mediocre area, I guess is the best way to say it. Yeah, you know, USF is an interesting team to look at, right, because the Gators did play play them last year. And, you know, they, you know the Gators played well, you know, they gave up some points there at the at the end, but you know overall the Gators played pretty well last year against uh, the Bulls. And you look at this year's team, and the team that we're facing is a little bit different, right? It's filled it's filled with uh, transfers. Fifteen total is what uh, Napier had. I have not actually double checked that, but um, fifteen transfers on the team this year. That's that's a significant difference than last year, right? So Gators um, got to be prepared for a new team. Um, and but like you said, uh, it it it. The the Bulls aren't aren't a team that should come in here and you know come into Gainesville and, and smack the Gators around. Uh, we'll get into more of that details later. But yeah, 15 transfers on uh, on the Bulls and it'll be a different team. It'll be a different look. Uh, a team that's gonna run or gonna try to run the ball against the Gators. Uh, Gators need to be prepared for that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that that's kind of where you know football teams in general are going, um, especially at the the level of USF, of UCF, of, you know, the 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 non-powerhouse SEC, you know, Big Ten schools where you're having tons of transfers every year, um, you know, and, and, and I think it is not only transferring in, but transferring out. I mean, you know, if you're a, you know, if you're a star player at USF, you're not sticking around at USF. You're bouncing to the SEC. Uh, you know, that's just, that's just the the nature of this uh, business that we're, we're talking about. And, you know, I, I was talking to this with someone and um, Nick, I know, you know, you're UCF grad, so you can kind of relate to this and with my South Alabama Jaguars. And that is, 
you know, if you have a great player at smaller schools like that, you're going to lose them probably. Uh, you know, I, my Jaguars had Jalen Tolbert, who uh, was drafted by the Cowboys and was one of the best receivers in the country last year. You know, had the transfer rule picked up like it has now, I don't think he ends up – I mean, I don't think he ends his career at South Alabama. So, uh, yeah, I think that hurts Jeff Scott a little bit because it's tough to, you know, build those, you know, senior – uh, older statesmen's um, rosters now, you know, when USF was ranked number one in the country, you know, years back, it was because they had a ton of seniors. I don't know that you can, you're going to have that anymore with the transfer portal the way it is. Right. And I mean, it, you know, it kind of works both ways, right? So, you know, USF, you know, if they got a, if they got a superstar player that's up and coming, they're likely going to lose them. Right. And, um, but it kind of works both ways, right? If there's a if there's someone on uh, on Florida that's you know not getting any playing time or not playing or not moving up the depth chart, you know, school down south might be a team that he looks at, right? right. Um, so it, it works both ways, but I do think it, it hurts them a lot more more than it helps them, just simply because you're losing out on the players that you recruited, right? Like these are the guys that you went through the process with, you went to their high school, recruited them, uh, they took official visits, all you know, all that. And then just for them to go play their senior season somewhere else, it 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 that's not good. That sucks. Uh, but you know you do get you do get the chance to to go and get talented players that that are trying to you know show their talent instead of just you know sit behind you know be buried on a depth chart at another school. So and and that's the strategy we've seen we've seen you know even Power Five teams you know take that. How about Michigan State, right? Right. Um, you know their their strategy has completely you know and, and I don't think they're recruiting poorly, but. You know, their strategy has been to go and get, you know, I mean, shit, they got Chris Bogle from the Gators, right? So, um, you know, it's an interesting it's an interesting time that we're in right now in college football uh, because so much can change year, year in and year out. Uh, right. So, you know, because, you know. It's free agency. That's what right. it is. It, and exactly. And one roster could be looking poor, and then, you know, three weeks later you get three, four guys in there, and it looks a little bit different. So it's a uh, – it, so much can change so quickly now in, in college football and all these different rules um, with the transfers changing, you know, se- seemingly every few weeks, it seems like. Um, but, yeah, it's a it's a different time in college football, but, you know, it's exciting and, and it keeps it keeps us on our toes at least. I mean, think about Florida. Osiris Torrance doesn't transfer in. Um, Ricky uh, doesn't transfer in. Uh, Montreal doesn't transfer in. That's three of your, what, top five best players on offense? You could argue. Yeah, I was gonna say you could argue that that's the three best players at those positions you just named. Yes, I mean you know you, you, if you don't have a, a, a Osiris at uh, you know right guard, who are you playing at right guard? I mean you know you're you're probably playing Josh Braun, and you know he's a guy who's now seventh, you know the seventh or eighth guy off, you know in the rotation of the offensive line. So um, yeah, I mean we're going down a you know a path of that transfer. I just thought. You know, I think it's interesting when we talk about these, you know, these games now. And, you know, we, we've seen it last week where, you know, App State goes to A&M and wins. Uh, you know, Georgia Southern goes to uh, Nebraska and wins. Um, you had uh, uh, Marshall go to Notre Dame. And, you know, I, I do think in a way it helps a little bit uh, with some of these upsets because you're able to get, you know, some talented guys that are, you know, maybe not playing elsewhere and, um, are coming in and maybe just need an opportunity. Uh, you know, I mean, who, who knows? I mean, uh, you look at a guy like uh, uh, Carlos Del Rio for Florida who goes to Syracuse. 
you know, he was never going to get an opportunity at Florida, so maybe he goes to Syracuse and has a good opportunity. Um, you know, and I, so I think that's kind of a uh, a thing we have to look at is it helps a little bit with parity, and but then again, it it hurts a little bit. You remember Jordan Conkright, right? Yep. So I mean, he I mean he transferred to the Bulls uh, and ended up having a really good career there. Um, and did did he had a cup of coffee in the NFL, right? He signed. Did he sign with practice the practice squad? Yeah, I think he was on the practice squad for for a year or so. Yeah, but I mean, he's a he's a prime example of a, of a guy that you know just wasn't quite getting the playing time he wanted. Um, and 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 quite frankly, he probably deserved more playing time, right? And he went to he went to the the Bulls and was awesome. I, I didn't he have multiple like 200 yard games in a row or, or something like that. He was it was something. Yeah, it was he, something he was crazy. Do, he was doing something nutty down there. Um, right. But good for him, and, and it ended up working out really well for him. So you know it can work. Uh, and this is why the Gators can't overlook USF this weekend, um, right? Because we all we all we all saw last week uh, with college football what, what can happen if, if if teams are overlooking other teams. And uh, and Napier was asked actually in the in a press conference this week uh, by a reporter, you know, and it was it was phrased, you know, these teams, and and Napier was not too happy about that. He actually didn't even answer the question. Um, he said he he literally told the reporter that I'm not going to answer that question. So you know he, you know he's trying to get his mindset right. He's trying to get the, the the players' mindset right. You know especially after last week and after the loss to Kentucky, right? They they were they were high off uh, a win in week one, uh, and you know they lost. And now they definitely cannot overlook a USF team that if we play poorly and our offense is not moving the ball, it could be an upset. So they. Um, you know, Napier is really trying to, to push this message in the locker room of, of, you know, we need to get back on the right track. We need to, to focus, you know, week one, week, you know, week by week. The team's trying to go 1-0 every week and that they have to start this weekend. Yeah, and they'll be without uh, Ventrell Miller, Michael Tarquin, uh, this week. Um, you know, Billy Napier doesn't get very much into injuries. And, um, you know, you and I have confirmed from multiple people that, you know, there is a worry that this will be a multi multiple week injury uh for, for both guys. Uh, you know, and it'll be interesting. You know, I know Scooby is listed as the guy who's, you know, going to start for Ventrell. I personally think when we look back at the snap count at the end of the game that I think it'll be Shamar and Amari Bernie, uh, with the two most snaps uh accounted for in the game at linebacker. Um, I could be completely wrong, uh, you know, in that. But I think, you know, when you're starting to uh, – let's just say Ventrell doesn't play against Tennessee. Do you want Shamar and Amari out there, or do you want Amari and Scooby out there? I'm going with the freshman, even though he's a freshman. Right. I, you know, I was a little bit surprised to see Scooby uh, Williams out there instead of Shamar. But like, like you said, I, it doesn't really matter. I mean, we've seen, right – We've seen Naquan Wright lead the lead the running back depth chart two weeks in a row, and I, I think three yeah three weeks in a row now. Uh, and Montreal Johnson leads the team in carries. Yeah. Um, so it, you know it, that shows you that really the staff and, and Billy Napier aren't looking too much into these depth chart guys. They're they're just putting it out so that the media has something to go with. We have something to talk about. Uh, and you know I think it's a general outline. It's a it's a you know a general kind of focus of of, of of what we can expect, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Um, we've seen, you know, right. So like Cameron Waits is, li- is listed as the backup left tackle. He's not going to, he's not playing in the game guys. 
Unless, well, he didn't. I mean, when um, Richard went out game one, right? Or was yeah, did he? Yeah, it was the Utah the, game, or was it the Kentucky game? Cameron Waits played in the Utah game. No, 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 no. Garrard. When Richard went out at left tackle for a snap or two, right. the Utah game, Austin Barber came right. in. So right, yes, oh, yeah. Um, so Barber is your your second tackle. Right, and 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 now that Barber is starting, like we like we've mentioned, you know, Cameron Waits is listed as the backup left tackle, and Braun's the right, but Braun's going to be the first off the bench at either position, right? Uh, they're gonna they're gonna shuffle around this line before. Um, before we see, you know, the, the the weights and the and the Jake Slaughter play. Right. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing for me, Nick, is is, is the question. Um, you know, I, I I I don't want to I don't want to say the offense changed when Tarquin went out because it it did, but it didn't. You know, the the offense wasn't exactly exploding. Uh, against Kentucky with Michael in the game, but the offense definitely declined, especially the running game declined uh, when he went out. And, you know, Billy Napier kind of talked about that a little bit, um, you know, throughout the week that, you know, while Anthony, and rightfully so, got a lot of blame for his bad play overall, the offensive line was allowing a lot more pressure in the game. You know, the receivers weren't running the right route. But um, so I think that's a big thing is getting Barber adjusted to this and getting him ready because obviously what he's going to face against USF is not what he's going to face against Tennessee. You know, obviously Tennessee crowd's going to be, you know, rocking as well. So if, you know, Michael's not able to come back for the Tennessee game, you need Austin Barber ready. Now, I think Austin Barber's a physical you know, nasty offensive lineman, but can he physically do it? Uh, I think that's a big key. And, uh, you know, that kind of leads me where, you know, I, I want to go there, and that is get back to running the ball this week. You know, for forget trying to get Anthony in a, in a rhythm and, and everything else. Do what you do. Run that football. You know, Ford is 31st in the country with 209 yards a game rushing. Continue to do that. That's what this team is. This team is going to be a run-first team. Do it. Pound the ball. Just let Montreal, let Naquan, let Trevor, let them eat this week. I, I know that you you know, you know look at this game and you say, man, maybe this is a game to get AR's confidence. Screw that. Run the rock. Get the confidence of the offense up in general. And, you know, that that's where the offense starts, right? So Richardson can't just get his confidence back without the offense scoring points. How do the Gators score points? They run the football. So, you know, I think no doubt you're going to see um, the Gators start off the game running the football. I think I think in the first half you'll see – you won't really see Richardson try to do too much in the air. I think they're going to try to slowly get his confidence back. And in the second half, early third quarter – uh, I think you might see Richardson try to try to air it out and, and, and make some plays just to just to kind of tune up before before Tennessee. Right. Because we're not beating Tennessee if Richardson's not throwing the football. Sorry, guys. But uh, and you let know, me interrupt you here for a second. Go, go for it. Ask, um, were you surprised to see, you know, the opening drive of the game? I want to say five of the first six or seven plays against Kentucky were throwing. Were you surprised by that? I was. I was, and you know, you know, I, I watched, I watched Kentucky's, uh, I watched the breakdown of the game, and and Kentucky had a really, really aggressive game plan. 
they they threw a bunch of different formations at Richardson. They blitzed from the corner. They made him roll out of the pocket. Um, and yes, but I, I was surprised, uh, you know, and they asked Richardson actually about that after the game. And he said, basically, he was just trying to do what they were giving him, right? So So Kentucky was trying to, you know, block the run. And, you know, he had open, he had guys one-on-one, just the receivers weren't, you know, making plays. Uh, there was a few drops in the game. Richardson wasn't accurate with the football when they were open. Uh, it was just a poorly executed, uh, you know, game for the Gators all the way around. But to answer your question, I was surprised. I, I thought that they would have tried to, you know, just set the momentum right off the rip and, 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 and push the rock. Uh, and I, and I think you'll see that. Um, I think you'll see that ultimately this week. Uh, like I said, I think in the first half of this game, it's going to be primarily running the football. They're really just going to try to gain the offense's confidence back as a whole. Because, guys, Richardson, he, you know, his confidence was shot, but so was the entire offense, right? Um, Agreed. There were, yeah. So, you know, like you said, when Barber came in the game, there were some things that happened that that weren't weren't really happening when the starting unit was in there. Uh, and this is, you know, Barber, Bar- I thought Barber played a pretty good game. Uh, I said that, you know, a couple days ago. And, he just needs to clean up some things uh, offensively. And, you know, when we get into our players to watch later in the, in the podcast here, Austin Barber is one of mine, Andrew. Uh, and, and, and that's why, because we're going to, you know, if, if Michael Tarquan is to miss against Tennessee, Barber is going to have to be a dominant force, right? If the Gators have a chance to go to Knoxville and upset Tennessee. Yeah. I mean, and, and Napier was asked a little bit about this, you know, uh, getting the, the deep ball, the explosive plays. And, you know, the explosive play is kind of – every coach defines it different. Uh, some say 15 and above. Some say 20 and above. I'm a guy who I think is 20 and above. It, explosive play is 20 and above for me. Uh, again, that's that's a preference by per coach and everything else. Uh and Billy was asked that. He said, you know, why is there not any explosive plays in the passing game? And, you know, he broke that down. He said, I, I think it's a little bit of Anthony. I think it's a little bit of the offensive line. And I think it's a little bit of the receiver. And I think he's exactly right. They're, uh, the offensive line definitely allowed more pressure in the game against Kentucky. Uh, and a lot of that did with Kentucky was daring them to throw the ball. Uh, also, the receivers are getting – no separation. No separation. Um, and when they are getting separation, Richardson didn't hit them. So, you know, part of me in this USF game wants to see some play action shots, um, you know, off the running game. But, again, it all goes back to when you're running the ball successfully, everything opens up. Everything. The, right. the screens to, to Henderson, we hate them. But if you're running the ball better, guess what? They're going to be there. And it, go ahead. Go for it. And I was just going to say, I was just going to say to counterpoint, you know, not to counterpoint, but to add on to what you're saying, you know, Florida was running the ball excellent in, in week one against Utah. And guess what was working? The play action. Right. So, you know, I mean, it, it, they go hand in hand, right? You know, if you're running the football well, uh, you're going to be able to throw the ball. You're going to be able to do a couple different things offensively than you were if it wasn't working at all. So I think that's important to note, you know, going forward that, and, you know, Andrew started off the podcast by saying, you know, run the football, right? I mean, this is what the team, this is the bread and butter. Me and Andrew have said it 
all offseason. The offensive line of the running backs are the heart and soul of this team. Uh, if the Gators are going to be successful this season, uh, by however you define successful, it's through the running game. Um, you know, and, and, and Richardson's a big part of the running game too, guys. Uh, you know, we don't just mean hand off the ball and, uh, and watch the O-line work. Uh, you know, RPOs, designed quarterback runs, these are all things that, that, need, to, that need to be in the, in the wrinkle for, for the Gators offensive uh, unit this year. Well, and that, and you know, him running the ball goes hand in hand of uh, getting him in some rhythm and you know, getting Absolutely. his confidence there. Um, you know, I don't know why he didn't run more in the in the uh, Kentucky game. I don't buy the whole Kentucky wasn't giving it to him. Uh, you know, because they were at, at times. If he kept the if he kept it, right. he, he had plenty of yards. So I, I don't buy that. And uh, you know, I I'm gonna chalk up the Kentucky game. Um, it's just a bad night for, for uh, Anthony. Uh, obviously, another bad night, and we're going to say, okay, there's some serious issues there. Uh, it just uh, offensively run the damn ball. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I hate to just be that away, but run the ball. Get everything going. And, and USF is terrible against the run. They're terrible mm-hmm. against stopping the run. They're allowing 240 yards a game on the ground. That's 126 in the country. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, so, you know, when I went back and watched the, the, the Kentucky Florida game, right. I, I immediately before I had watched, I was, I was extremely critical of Richardson and I still am. I, I obviously he did not play a very good game at all, but when I went back and watched it, it almost seemed like when Richardson would make the right play, the receivers would not be getting separation and or drop the football. Uh, and then when when the receivers were open, Richardson either glazed over them or completely missed the throw. So I think it was just it, it almost seemed like a game where nothing went right, right? Not you know, and it you know on a play, right? You need you need you need all three units. You need the offensive line, the quarterback, and the wide receivers to to all do their jobs on the play, right? You need all you need all eleven players on the field in order to execute a play sometimes. And it just seems like there was always one unit that wasn't executing. Uh, on, on, on a given particular play. And, you know, w- one play that comes to mind is there was a third and five and, you know, protection was good. Richardson threw a strike to Henderson and it just went right through Henderson's hands. I mean, it hit him right in the face mask. You can't draw up a better pass. You, you got to catch that football. Some of you, you know, some of you said, well, you know, Richardson, you need to develop a changeup, which is true. He does. But on that particular play on a third and five, there was three defenders around Henderson. He had no choice but to rifle that ball in there. Uh, and Andrew, you actually told me that because well, I, I think I texted you during the game and I was like, Richardson needs to slow it down. And, you know, you said, well, on that play, I'm fine with it because if he had, if he had lobbed it in there, it could get picked off. It's getting batted down. Richardson's getting crunched or uh, Henderson's getting crunched. So, you know, on that particular third down, Richardson had to throw it, uh, you know, had to throw a bullet in there, but Henderson couldn't catch it. And uh, so these are, these are, you know, it just seems like in that game and, you know, we can move on to USF, but just it, it just seemed in that game that nothing went right for, for, you know, when, when two units were doing their job, the other one wasn't. So, you know, and, and, and in football, every unit on the field has to do their job. Right. Well, and, uh, you know, like you said, it was just a game that, you know, you, you hope you can chalk up and say, just wasn't our day. Right. <laughs> um, you know, again, USF is really bad against stopping the run. So run the rock. That's what I say. Run the rock. Uh, 
get it going. Uh, you know, and and you know, defensively, you know, USF is they're averaging 30, 31 and a half points a game. Um, that's okay, seventy fifth in the country. Uh, you know, uh, Florida's only averaging twenty two and a half. But um, you know, the, you look at this USF team and. Uh, they like to, you know, they like to to run the ball as well. They have 163 yards uh, per game on the ground, uh, led by uh, Brian Beatty uh, overall. Um, but this this week defensively, I think is a lot about getting some bodies some playing time. Um, you know, Scooby, he's got to get more playing time because. You know, while I do think Bernie and uh, Shamar are going to be your two main guys at linebacker going forward, uh, while Ventrell's out, Scooby's got to play. You 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 got to have three to four guys playing. Dewan Black's got to go, or or Derek Wingo. One of those guys has got to go. Um, defensive line wise, need need Chris McClellan to, to get some more snaps. In my opinion. You know, like it or not, McClellan's probably your second best defensive tackle after Gervon. I mean, uh, I'm not sold on Jalen Lee, and you know, right now Des Watson can't stay low and and play enough snaps. Uh, snaps. So, you know, for me, that's what it is. It's just continuing to get you know more guys in there. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, you you need to get a pass rush against. Uh, USF and, and and you hope that Justice Boone and Princely and uh, Tyreek Sapp and you know Brenton Cox those guys continue to to improve. You know we've seen a, a big improvement from week one to week two on the defense line and, and Billy said that as well. See it again. Continue to do that. Uh, you know this is a game where you hope to iron out some kinks and you hope in the second half you're playing a lot of young guys. Um, as well. One guy I am interested to see, too, is see if Jaden Hill plays. Uh, he's listed as questionable. You and I have both been told uh, it's unlikely he plays this week, um, but then there is some thought that, hey, if we can get him five to ten snaps in this game and get his feet back wet, um, that'd be good for Tennessee. So that's one to watch as well. You know, I, I agree. I think it's I think it would be extremely tough uh, to throw, you know, Jaden Hill, you know, kind of into the fire against a, a tough Tennessee team, right? That's going to throw the football all over the field. They're, you know, they're they're an air raid, um, and so I think that that would be a tough task for Jaden Hill. Not not saying he can't do it, but I would like to see him him get a, at least a few reps. You know, he doesn't even have to, you know, it doesn't even have to be in in a, in a significant time in the game, but you know, get him in there and and kind of just just kind of get a feel for how he's feeling. Um, but, but, you know, at the end of the day, his health comes first, right? They, they're not going to rush him out there if they, if they feel like he's not ready. So, you know, no problem there. But Andrew, I want to, I want to talk to you about something. Um, and I want to see if you agree with me. I, I almost like these, these kind of games, you know, and I hate, you know, I just said I, I, that Napier hates saying that, but I, I, I almost like, you know, these games where, where Florida's heavily favored and, and, and we get to see a lot of these younger guys in the game simply because, you know, I'm an, I'm a, I'm an avid football fan, right. You know, and, and, and I followed Gators recruiting um, for a long time. And, you know, so seeing some of these guys that, 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 you know, I watched, I watched in high school uh, and seeing them get a chance to play, you know, possibly for the first time, that's super exciting to me. I love watching, you know, I love these games. 
for example, you know, if Gators are up by 30 or whatever, whatever the case may be, seeing, you know, seeing some of these younger guys that maybe we haven't seen before, seeing Corey Collier go out there and play, um, you know, seeing some of the, seeing some of the younger guys that we either haven't seen yet or haven't seen much of, that's super exciting to me. I love watching um, the younger guys get their chance to play. And, and this is no, I mean, this isn't, this isn't, you know, Sam Houston, you know, college or, or Howard, this is a, this is USF. I mean, they're, you know, Gators are favored by 24 and a half, but I mean, this is not like some team that doesn't have athletes. I mean, they, they, they can play ball. So, um, you know, it, it's good competition. It's good reps for these younger guys. And, and to me, that's, that's almost as, sight, as exciting as watching, you know, the Gators play against uh, another SEC team simply because I love, I love football. I love the entire roster up and down. And, and, I, and, I, and I love watching these younger guys get their chance to shine. No, I agree. Uh, you know, I, I think it's uh, I think it's good, and I, I think it's critical to the success of of your of programs in in general. You know, when you when you see you know these games, and, and you look back, and you know every year you look back at these games, and whether it's Florida or Alabama or whoever it may be, and you see, okay, man, I I seen so and so, you know, have a have a really good game against USF or, you know, Sam Houston State or, or Eastern Washington, whatever. And then you see him continue to get more and more playing time, um, you know, as the season goes. And then you look back at the end of the year and you say, man, he had a great year. Yeah, he had a really good year. Um, and, and it happens every year. Uh, you know, I go back to, to Naquan when he was a freshman. Uh, you know, it, it happened early on for him, and, and the light bulb was there, and, and you see it. So I'm with you. I, I love, you know, opportunities to play the young guys. Uh, you know, and, and I think it's key, too, for Florida, uh, especially, you know, in this game, because of, of what they had. They just had two slobber knocker, you know, tough physical football games. And guess what? It doesn't get any easier. Next week's just as bad. You know, actually worse because you're on the road. So, you know, you need to be able to count on some young guys and, you know, let some of the vets, you know, get fresh. Like, you would love to let Gervon get some rest late in the game. You would love Osiris uh, Torrance to get some rest late in the game. You know, those guys get get rest and, and see what the young guys can do. So I, I think it's critical to come out, start early, and, and put the game away, uh, not only from a standpoint of you don't want to give USF any confidence that they can stay in this game, but also because you would love for, you know, at halftime you say, Gervon, take the pads off. You're done. Right. And, you know, not only does it create depth for this year, but it's creating depth for next year. Uh, right. And to me, to me, that's what's what's most important um, because, you know, this is Napier's first year, right? The, this isn't his entire roster. Um, in fact, there's not many players on this roster that are, that are you know, his, quote unquote. But, um, you know, I, I said this in my, in my offensive line article that I you know, released yesterday. Um, I want to see I want to see some of the younger guys on the offensive line. You know, we mentioned Cam Wage, Jake Slaughter. Um, you know, I want to see Josh Braun in there because these are guys that right. So Florida has every single starter on the offensive line for Florida. Well, not, now minus Austin Barber, but every single you know starter for the Kentucky and Utah game is, is in their fourth year or later. Um, so it's a very experienced and a very veteran group. Um, but you know that also means that the Gators may lose a few of those pieces right? This off season. So 
you know, when you look at the offensive line going into next year, you want, you want Richie Leonard, you want um, Josh Braun, you want these guys to go in, you want Austin Barber, you want these guys to go and get playing time because these are the guys that the Gators are going to be leaning on next year. So, you know, if they can play a critical role off the bench this season, that's going to be good news heading into next season uh, for the Gators offensive line. Well, and next year's the, the, the year that you need to see, you know, more improvement. I mean, uh, obviously you're not giving up on this year by any means, uh, you know, at all. But next year is the year that, you know, the pressure is going to be a little bit more mounted on, on Billy to to succeed and, and, and do things. Uh, so uh, it'll be interesting. Um, again, USF comes to town for uh, a night game in the swamp and uh, – you know, it's um, it's a big game. I mean, uh, you know, it's a as Billy Napier says, it's another opportunity. Um, you know, and whether or not you know it's a, a SEC opponent or not, it's a, it's an opportunity to get right. Uh, it's an opportunity to uh, to, to get better uh, before Tennessee comes to town. Uh, let's do let's pick some players here. Uh, we forgot to do it last week. Uh, since you haven't got to pick one, I'll let you go first. Who's your top guy that you think is going to have a big game against USF? I'm going to go, um, you know, I'll go, I'll go with my first pick. I'll go Scooby Williams, right? He's getting his first start in a Gator uniform. Um, and, you know, he, I thought he played extremely well last week in limited snaps. Uh, guys, Scooby Williams has some serious speed to him. That guy can absolutely fly. I know, uh, I know the Gators, you know, in fall camp, we're trying to figure out kind of what position, you know, they wanted to play him in. Uh, you know, he's he's a linebacker, but, you know, he has some serious speed, but he's a little small to be, you know, coming off the edge quite yet. Um, Andrew, do you think that, that, that they'll eventually move Scooby to an edge rusher kind of position, or do you think that he's going to stay at the, the linebacker spot? They would love for him to take Brenton Cox's role, but right. – you know, it's all about getting bigger um, and and keeping that speed because you know obviously that's that's what Scooby you know has. So uh, I, I think a lot kind of depends on this off season in the weight room for him. Uh, I, I don't think that it's out of the possibility that he stays um, there, and, and you know, and a little bit of it is I, I think it could be a good thing too. Uh, because of his speed, he can help a little bit in the passing game. So I don't know that it's a bad thing if he stays at that Mike spot. Yeah, I mean, speed is not bad, you know, anywhere on the field, right? You, you want all your players to be fast. Plays. Yeah, I mean, it, it'll, it'll help one way or another, right? But I just um, – the way I'm thinking is, like, you know, how do we get the most out of Scooby Williams? Could that be at the edge spot? I, I think it's possible. I mean, I think, you know, he does look too small right now, obviously, to play – you know, the Brenton Cox role, but, uh, you know, a year or two down the road, if, if, if he puts on weight and, but like you said, he's got to put on weight and maintain his speed. Um, that's the key there. Uh, so, you know, but, you know, he's going to be an exciting player to watch, uh, moving forward for the Gators, which is, you know, he's getting his first start. He's going to get the most playing time probably he's had. So, um, you know, he's the guy that I'm watching this week. I want to see him make a big play. So, you know, what's your first pick, Andrew? So, Scooby's your first. I'm going to go with uh, Montreal. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, we, we talk about running the ball. Uh, I think uh, I think uh, Billy's going to listen to this podcast, and I think he's going to uh, run the rock with uh, with Montreal uh, in the game. So, uh, Montreal's going to be uh, my second pick. Uh, he's going to have a big day. I think he goes over 100. Okay. 
I'm going to go uh, – I'm going to stay in the running back room and go with Trevor Etienne. Uh, I think – and here's why. I think there's room. You just said uh, you think Montreal's going for over 100. I think it's a possibility that they both go for uh, over 100. Um, uh, you know, this is, a, this is a USF team that has really struggled to stop the run through two games. And uh, Napier – you know, he's not just going to give one running back the ball the entire time. He's going to, he's, he, he, he is going to be running back by committee. Uh, Gator fans are going to have to deal with that. I know we've seen, uh, we've had some, some kind of complaints about that in the past, but here's the deal with the running back committee, right? If it's done right, it's not a problem. The, 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 the issue with the running back committee is when, when one running back is clearly better, clear cut running back one and getting six carries a game. You guys hey, know. Hey, Damian Pierce says hello. Yeah, you guys. I was about to say, you guys know which coach and which player I'm talking about. I don't even want to name the names, but um, but yeah, when one running back is clearly better than the other, that they need to get more playing time. But I mean, we've seen it. I mean, we've seen Napier make those adjustments, right? Like like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Naquan Wright is listed as the running back one, but Montrell Johnson is leading the team in carries. That's because he's looked the part. He's been the better running back. Uh, and I think as the season goes on, if, if, if that difference, if that differential, you know, if, if it keeps getting larger, the difference, you know, the gap between Johnson, ETN, and Wright, then I think you'll, you'll continue to see ETN and Johnson carry the football. But let me say one thing on Naquan Wright. Guys, it's been two football games. Naquan Wright is, is, a, is a really good running back. I, I, I do agree that he has, you know, kind of lacked the physical tools that, um, that Johnson and ETN possessed at least this year through two games. But guys, it's been two games. Uh, Naquan Wright's going to get his carries, uh, and he's going to produce for the Gators. Uh, but I, I just wanted to point that out that it's it's extremely small sample size. But there's no question that that Johnson and ETN have looked the part this year. So yeah, I'm going Trevor ETN. I also think he's going to go for 100 yards. Uh, I think he ends up ripping a long run. Um, and you know, and I think I, I think I think it's possible. Johnson and ETN go for 100 yards this game. I'm going to throw a uh, wild card out at you. Okay. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. Dayton Reynolds is going to be my second one. Uh, You need another receiver to step up and be that speed guy. Um, we've seen it in week one where, you know, he uh, he got a couple of the uh, speed sweeps. I uh, I think you see a bigger role for uh, for for Mr. Reynolds this week, and you know you're 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 looking at a team that I don't want to say lacks speed because I don't think they lack speed, but they're looking for speed to play. Um, you know, obviously, you know, there's a lot of guys that are fast, but if being fast and and being football fast are two different things. Uh, I'm I'm going Dejan. I think Dejan. Uh, makes a couple plays and uh, maybe gets uh, his first score of his career. All right, are we picking a third? We're picking a third. You got one All more. All righty. All righty. I'm going to go – I'm going to go with Princely. I'm not going to pronounce his last name. Uh, but I'm going Princely off the edge. I, I had a buddy, and I, I love Princely. I, I, uh, I've uh, – I've I've kind of followed him ever since he he got to to Gainesville. He's been one of my favorite players. But that's besides the point. I had a buddy, uh, FSU fan actually, watching the Florida Kentucky game yesterday, and he sends me a text and goes, "Number thirty three is really good." And you know, I obviously knew who it was, and I was like, "Yeah, I know." Uh, and so I, you know, 
I'm just kind of waiting for one of his breakout games. I thought he's I, – I don't know about you, Andrew, but I thought he, he's played a really good first two games. Uh, I, I don't think he's quite filled up the stat sheet yet. Um, but I'm th- I, I think he gets to the quarterback uh, uh, this Saturday multiple times. That's my that's my hot, hot prediction. There you go. Well, my third one's going to be Mr. 251, uh, Shamar James, uh, yeah. guy who, uh, you know, has played – Played pretty good, uh, you know. I, I don't think he's played bad ball at all um, the first uh, first two weeks, um, but I uh, I think he you know sees a bigger role on Saturday, and uh, it's breakout time uh, for uh, for my two five one guy. Uh, he's going to put on and uh, showcase uh, what he's got, and uh, you know he's battling because he he wants that starting job uh, next week in Knoxville and uh, be a freshman, you know, getting getting his first start on the road in the SEC. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Uh, so that's uh, that's my pick. I, I think that uh, I think when you look at uh, that linebacker spot, he has the chance to be your most talented uh, back uh, linebacker on the team. And uh, Billy Napier's not afraid to play the young guys. We just both picked linebackers from Alabama. How does that make you feel, Andrew? Oh, it makes me feel amazing. Are you kidding <laughs> me? We play ball at Alabama. People just don't understand. You know, we 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 play some ball out here and. Competitive ball, my friend. <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts on the uh, spread? Uh, it's, I think it's last time I checked, it was twenty-four and a half, Florida. First of all, I hate this. I hate picking against the spread. I, I, I just do. I suck at it. Uh, when my man Nick Delatore was here, he used to pick on me, saying he was glad I was not betting his money uh, because of that. Uh, I am going to say for the covers. Uh, in the game, I think you have a team who um, is pissed off um, after last week. I think you have a team that um, you know rallies, and uh, I think you have a coaching staff. Um, Billy Napier is not stupid. He sees, he hears the fan base. He knows he wants to put up fifty and and give the fan base something to to talk about. So uh, I, I think for the covers. I'm gonna say forty-two ten. Okay, uh, I'm gonna go. Uh, and it's funny you mentioned Nick Delatore. He uh, after the game last week uh, was upset because he's zero and two picking the Gators. So maybe you can give him. Uh, maybe you can give him a call and let him know. Uh, he is uh, uh, um, not a. Uh, uh, he, he he's like me. He doesn't like to lose. Let's say it like that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's after the game. He was saying that he, you know, he can't predict anything, right? He's zero two. I'm one and one uh, picking the Gators uh, against the spread this year. Obviously, I did not get it right last week against Kentucky. Uh, this week, I'm actually gonna go. I'm actually gonna say that that the Gators win, but we do not cover the spread. I'm gonna go 34-13, um, 21 point victory. I think it's a I think it's the last second touchdown by, by USF that kind of uh, that kind of just kills the kills the spread there for the Gators. But I, I think ultimately, I think the Gators play well. I think the defense have a really good game again. Um, I think they're gonna ride the momentum here against USF uh, and really, you know, try to focus in on stopping the run and making uh, Jerry Bohannon throw the football. Uh, you know, we we saw the Gators defense do a, a really good job last week against uh, Kentucky, right? I mean. Anyway, I know Andrew uh, is not so high on uh, his his boy Will uh, Will Le- Will, Le- Will Levis, but um, you know, and uh, 
I, I'm not either. I, I don't think he played a very good game at all. I thought he missed a couple open receivers. You know, he did connect on a long touchdown there to Dane Key, which he said after the game was uh, was the first time that play's ever worked. So, uh, but yeah, I think I think it's it's a similar game plan for the game defense: stop the run and uh, and make and make the quarterback make some throws that maybe he's not too comfortable making. Um, so I think the Gators defense plays well, but I, I I I think the offense I think the offense looks good. I, I I just think it's a it's a it's a lot of running the football like we said, um, and just choose a lot of clock. So I think 34-13 is my prediction for the Gators. The Gators roll on Saturday. All right, let's make a couple picks here then. A uh, couple of uh, top twenty-five uh, matchups. Uh, let's see here. Let's go with the first one. We'll go. Go out to Oregon for the first one. BYU uh, travels out to Oregon. How is Oregon ranked 25 in the country is my opinion, but whatever. Uh, BYU or Oregon? I'm going to go BYU. I I just don't see, you know, BYU's on the road, uh, on the road there at Oregon. But I, I just, I've watched BYU play twice this season. They played in a really exciting game last season or last week. Um, they're a pretty good football team. Uh, Oregon just has not looked good. Like like you said, I don't know how they're ranked. Oregon's favored by three and a half, if, if what I'm looking at is correct. Um, I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take BYU plus three and a half there, uh, and I'm also gonna take BYU to win that football game. Yeah, I I agree. I, I think so too. I I I don't know how Oregon's 25, and I sure as heck don't know how Oregon is a favorite in this game. Uh, a big one out in Aggie Land. Uh, Mario Cristobal heads out to uh, to face A uh, and M, uh, and you know A and M fans boosters are not very happy with Jimbo and uh, his offense. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Haynes King uh, starts in the game or if they go with uh, LSU transfer Max Johnson at quarterback. Uh, for me, Nick, this is. This is the Utah game for Mario Cristobal. Um, you know, for Billy Napier was Utah. This one is is Mario Cristobal. He, you know, he needs a, a big win on national TV to kind of really get the nation on notice. Uh, A&M is a six and a half point favorite, which is a little surprising. Uh, yeah, that, seems, that seems a little. St- I don't know. That seems a little steep um, to me. Uh, you know, yeah. I would have thought that. I would have thought that there was more. You know, closer to a toss up game. Um, I mean, like neither of these teams have looked particularly good, in my opinion, through two weeks. Um, right. You know, we saw Texas A&M lose. Uh, we've seen Miami struggle to put away. Uh, you know, a couple of bad teams. But um, wow. You know, I don't really like either of these teams at all. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Miami plus six. I don't know if they win. But I am gonna I'm gonna take them covering six points. I I, I don't understand Texas A&M being favored six six and a half whatever it is. Um, that, I mean I, I get they're at home. It's tough to play in College Station. But like you said, this game is gonna mean a lot to Miami. They're really gonna be trying to win this football game. Um, but I mean Texas A&M is gonna come back angry, right? You know. Um, but I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Miami cover six. That's what I'm gonna. Say. I think they cover six points. Okay. I think A&M wins the game, but I'm with you in that I think Miami covers. Um, six, six and a half is just too steep for that game. Yeah, I mean, both teams are not very good. but right. uh, I, I will be interested to see how Miami plays uh, in Aggieland. I mean, they're used to playing in front of 5,000 
you know, fans in 50,000 empty seats. Uh, how are they going to face, you know, what, 100,000 screaming people? So uh, that right. would be uh, interesting. Another big one for me, uh, Penn State travels down to Auburn uh, to take on Auburn in this game. Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, Penn State's a three-point favorite, and I get that. But, like, Penn State hasn't looked great this year. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree, but uh, but Auburn's I would, terrible. I, I was going to say, I would also say that Auburn's not look good. I mean, T.J. Finley won the starting job there. Um, he has three interceptions on the year uh, and one touchdown. Um, Clifford for Penn State's taking care of the football a lot better, or just one interception, almost 500 yards passing. I'm going to go Penn State. I don't think Penn State's that good. I just think Auburn's worse. Uh, I'm going to go Penn State and the points. I want to see him play Richie Ashford from Hoover, the local kid, Auburn. I want to see him playing um, and, and, and getting going. Uh, I think uh, I, I think Penn State wins, but I, I could easily see Auburn winning this game. Like both teams are just not that good. Right. I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't see it. I, I just. Uh, I, I don't see Auburn with Finley being good, and I sure as heck don't see. Um, you know, Penn State being good. Uh, one pick, and it's going to be an upset this week. My South Alabama Jaguars are going out to the L.A. Coliseum, and they're going to upset UCLA this weekend. Mark oh, it down. hot take. Hot take. UCLA is a 15-and-a-half-point favorite for some reason. Some reason is beyond me. UCLA has not looked good uh, on the year. Jags are going out to – to the Coliseum and bring it home a W. I wanted to point this out. I meant to do it earlier in the week. Did you see what Utah did uh, in week two? No, I didn't. They, they played. Uh, they played like some terrible team, but they put up like seventy-seven points or something ridiculous like that. They oh, had, let's talk about what it was on the field. Did you see what happened off the field? Oh no! Three chicks came to the game. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> with their body paint. <laughs> I did see that. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, Utah could. Utah next year. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I saw that on the message boards. That's funny. Uh, but yeah, Utah could have put up 100 points in that game if they wanted to. They had they had 70 points at the end of the the third quarter. Man. All right, Nick. Well, we will be back on Monday, and uh, we'll start talking about my favorite week of the year. Hate Tennessee week is uh, you do not wear that gaudy orange. Uh, that is a uh, a rule, especially in Alabama. You do not wear that ugly orange. Uh, we do not like Tennessee. Uh, we do not like Heupel. Uh, and it's hate week next week. So uh, get uh, get rid of uh, USF this week and get a two and one in the uh, uh, on the year. Get everybody healthy, and then let's get ready for hate week next week. Absolutely. Uh, if you guys see uh, either me or Gentry out at the at the Gator Walk this week, please come say hi. We love talking to you guys. Um, and, yeah, so, you know, get get ready for the game this week, and then uh, Gators go on the road to Knoxville next week. Absolutely. Well, check us out on Gator Country uh, on the web, on social media. Check out Nick on uh, social media and myself on social media as well. And uh, we will see everyone on Monday. Yes, sir.